Alan Fanning. Shink is going to be joining us a little bit later for a very, very special episode. Uh, they have a new album coming out called Shink the Shutter. It came out on World Records back in May. And welcoming back to the show, a uh, special co-host. And my better half is Jocelyn Hunt. Jocelyn, welcome back. Hello, thank you. <laughs> so we're going to be doing a lot of different stuff this, uh, for this week, whatever. Um, we had a lot of great music for you. Uh, we're going to do a tribute to Charles Bradley. Unfortunately, we lost Charles uh, over the weekend. and We're going to be sharing some great stories and some great music about Charles. Uh, and I'm, I'm you know, very, very sad uh, about, about this loss. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm honored to have, have spent time with him and, and, and uh, you know, eager to tell some stories to kind of shed some light about his life. And also to bring you, like I said, uh, or Nick Offer from Chick Chick Chick. And we're going to tell some great stories. We're going to have a great time this week. So, uh, so speaking of this week, you have actually had a really, really big week. So uh, you uh, had your first, like, really, really big performance of the year. Talk about that a little bit. Um, yeah, it was great. I, I got to play Rachmaninoff's Second Symphony with um, the great Plano Symphony. They're a great orchestra. And um, I wish you guys could all have been there. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you all could have been there too, because I'm going to tell you something. I was there, and you shine bright like a diamond. I have waited all summer long. Uh, obviously, you know, I've you know, seen you rehearsed, and, and I've even seen you at a couple of the mics, and, and you even have played on uh, this show. So, all of you, if you remember, uh, that heard of the Dora Pesh episode, And thank you also to all of you uh, for all your feedback you wrote in and, and, and sent me messages and stuff about how much you enjoyed that episode. Let me tell you right now, you this was something to envy because it was awesome. You did so good. The orchestra did great. And it was a really good program. Um, we had a really great uh, piano soloist, Conrad Bauer. And, and Conrad's from New York, right? I remember seeing a few things about him. Is he, I've, I've heard, you know, that not only is he a, a really a, a world-class pianist, but he can also play the violin really well. well. You know what? So it always goes, it goes hand in hand. Though. I mean, I'm learning this from you uh, because in your music room, you've got, you know, obviously your main instrument is the violin, but then also you, um, but in your music room, you have, of course, your main instrument, of course, is the violin. And then you've got, you know, your piano, and I've seen you do both. And so, for those out there that are maybe new to classical music, or those that are involved with world music, of course, automatically, but talk about the, the parallel between the two. Like, it, it's important to be able to, to, to know both, and they're almost kind of, uh, you know, explain how one is supportive of the other. Um, well, the violin is just a melodic instrument, um, and I feel very lucky to have also studied piano because I feel like I have a little bit of um, it's, a, it's a very different instrument than the violin um, because it's more like a percussion instrument and um, you know the harmony that you have to For play sure. the theory you have to know to play the piano so it was a nice supplement but you rocked it and I was so proud of you where you've got this real big 
me, uh, I was so proud to be able to see you up there and being a part of, of something that's so glorious and so grand and wonderful and enjoyable and just, you just, you, like I said, you shined up there. You look so great. It sounded so great and uh, I really could not have been more proud of you. I'm glad you enjoyed the show. <laughs> I certainly enjoyed playing with them. Uh, how did you get involved with the piano center? Um, it all started with um, playing a few shows, so I hope that continues. Um, yeah. Actually, my teacher from back in the day, when I was around eighth grade or so, um, fourth through ninth grade, I believe, was my um, my my teacher Sachiko Mori. She was actually the concert master for our piano symphony um, for a while back in the nineties. So that's my first involvement, <laughs> but it was more like by proximity. Um, but you, you played with other symphonies in the Dallas Fort area as well, though. You played with like Las Colinas and, yeah. and a few others. And you've got some performances coming up, don't you? Yeah, Las Colinas have their first performance of the season coming up on the 20th, uh, 19th, 20th, and 21st. Of October? Yeah. Okay. So. And then if people want to get tickets for that, how can where would they go to do that? Um, well, you can either come to Garland and see Garland Symphony, or... Yeah, what, what is the venue? It's downtown, the Patty Granville Performing okay. Arts Center, I believe is what it's called. And it's a really nice hall. It's actually my favorite hall. Um, the hall in Irving is also really good. Um, so that's Saturday night. And then we also do uh, a show at Symphony. Well, so, and, and now, if people, again, they want to be able to get tickets, if you're out there and you're, and you're impressed, I, again, like I said, I, all of you should be the envy that I got to see this, finally, uh, and I can't wait for, I can't wait for these upcoming shows, and so, if they want to be able to get tickets online and everything else, they can just go online to where? Uh, Okay, and tickets are still available online. Probably. Okay, but they're going very, very quickly, so I implore all of you uh, to go and get your tickets for this because this is so fantastic. And as I told you before, you know, my, my background is in rock and roll, and of course, obviously, hip hop and punk rock and all that. So for me to be at the Eisman Center in front of this grand thing and seeing you walk out there being a part of this, and, 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 and like I said, with uh, with uh, with Conrad Dowling and this great, grand uh, orchestra. Music was amazing, you know. And I learned, and I learned from you, and I learned later. There's actually two concertos. Is that right? Yeah, um, I guess uh, Totentan by Leash is considered a concerto. It does have. It's it's more like a theme and variations, like the same. It's a variations on the um, DSPA. You know, so it's a it's a big deal. Uh, there's so many um, pieces out there with that as the theme and variations written with it. Good stuff. And then of course, scary stuff. Yes. Well, I, I really, I really, it, it's scary for you. In good terms for, of... good for Halloween. <laughs> is what I mean. 
well as part of it because October is coming up. And, right. uh, and of course, you know, uh, anybody that knows me knows how much I love Christmas. And so I can't wait because I know that Christmas is coming up and you've got a lot of performances. And it's probably one of the busiest times of the year for you, isn't it? Yeah. And so you're going to be. I love Christmas. And I love you and I love how much you love Christmas. Yes, I love it. Christmas. <laughs> And, I, and you're going to be performing with Andy Grant this year, aren't you? Yes, I'm excited. It's always a fun show. I cannot wait because I've always wanted to go to that show. I've always wanted to see it. And now I'm going to see it for the first time with you up there on stage. And I couldn't be more excited about that. That's going to be awesome. So lots and lots of great stuff coming up from, from Jocelyn Hunt. Where can they find you on the interwebs, are there? Um, Instagram, J-O-C-E-I, the number six. And, uh, and you're also, yeah, so you're on Instagram, and you, that, that's kind of your name, because I'm like a more like a Twitter guy. You're, you're more I have like, a Twitter account, but I don't know how to use it really well, so I don't <laughs> use it. <laughs> now, switching gears here for a second, because we were, um... <laughs> what, what were we talking about? I'm sorry, I was taking a drink there. <laughs> um, so switching gears just for a second, what is it, um... Uh, when you're going to hear whenever uh, when Nick comes onto the show from Chip Chip Chip, one of the things that he and I have kind of bonded over over the years is that we're both completely addicted to the very addictive thing of kind of the not just rock star but just kind of the celebrity or the musician autobiography, you know. And of course, since the idea of the tenets of, of, of rock and roll or tend to be sex, drugs, and rock and roll, all the, the great tomes of, of all the great autobiographies are filled with all these salacious details, but again, it's not always limited to just the rockers, and we, I, we talked about before we came on the air, that the, probably the, the, the dirtiest, scariest, most balls in the wall that are ever, of course, was Miles Davis. I was going to ask you, what are some of the, of the autobiographies that, that were more memorable for you? I think I've officially read one autobiography, and it was the Jerry Garcia, one of the Jerry Garcia. Well, was it? Was it? I mean, it was probably a biography. Okay, so it wasn't like it. Did he ever? Did he ever do an official one? Really? I don't know. I don't think that happens very much in autobiographies. Well, it does for the living, of course, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, not the dead and or Grateful Dead or, or and Jerry Garcia, who of course only hasn't been with us for about twenty years. So, yeah. and I can't really see him. Because he died kind of unexpectedly, didn't he? I think he did. Yeah. Uh, well, but so the biography that you read of Jerry Garcia, what was what was so memorable about it? It was such a long time ago. Um, I, I couldn't really tell you the details, honestly. But it, I, I'm I'm a curious person. I love learning new facts, so it was definitely enjoyable. I should read more, and that's definitely something I would like to read. Well, I. Well, as you know, in my bookshelf in there, it's basically like the Barnes and Noble section of like music autobiography. They're, they're, they're all there, <laughs> so I'll get you like a little library membership card. You're checking them out there, you know. Uh, we mentioned before we went on the, uh, the air, we were, I was talking about, uh, uh, I was, I, I've had the song Sugar Cane in my head from Sonic Youth all day because I read this thing about Chloe Sveeney, and I didn't realize that she was actually, you know, the girl in the video because I didn't know who she was probably the last time I saw that video. And it made me think about Kim Gordon's autobiography 
where we were kind of talking about how, you know, I like it whenever a piece of art or a band can somehow become much greater than some of their parts. Like we mentioned, I, I mentioned Talking Heads is a great example. Uh, the Pixies would be a great example. And Sonic Youth, uh, to an extent, would also be another great thing because they're all artists that are just, you know, trying to express themselves. And, and she, you know, kind of confessed in her, not, not, not confessed, but kind of offered that she never really felt like a musician. Because we were talking about before, not in a snobbery kind of way, but we were saying that the Talking Heads were able to really take their limitations and combine them to create something otherworldly. And Sonic Youth, for all their uh, great offerings and everything else, you know, obviously there are some limitations that kind of kept them from being the Talking Heads. You know what I mean? In terms of, of casting a much wider net. And, 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 and I think that a great answer to that was, like I said, Kim Gordon mentions in her autobiography, it's a great biography that came out last year, called I'm in the Band, uh, I'm in the Band, uh, how she never actually felt like a musician. She was just, she was a visual artist, she was interested in fashion, and just kind of found herself in a band in the downtown kind of New York scene that was happening, you know, like around that time. And that's one of the great things about the autobiographies, because when you know that you're hearing it from them directly, and sure, you know, they can share some salacious stuff and everything else, and, uh, and we've had some, some We've had some authors come on. As you know, we had Noel Monk, the legendary manager from Van Halen, and a great two-part series that I implore all of you out there listening to check out, regardless if you're a fan of Van Halen or rock and roll. It's just a, a great insight into the music industry. You know? But, you know, but getting back to classical music, uh, there was something that we went to that was so, so fun. Uh, and, uh, and that's just the people that you actually were... Uh, with and turned me on to this as well. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Um, so I've known Eric Smith, um, a Baroque cellist, uh, a great cellist in general, for over 10 years, close to 15 years. We met at UNT. Um, him and his husband have started this uh, group, a new opera company, a Baroque opera company, the American Baroque Opera Company, and they put their first show on um, three nights at uh, the Windspear. The Windspear Opera House, which is um, a big deal, yeah. Yeah, three nights um, last week, and we got to go, and it was a, a masquerade type yes. of deal, so we got our masks, yeah. and, and people were out in their masks, and it was, it was cool, it was a lot of fun, um, and it was really good because this show was good. They had the best singers, um, Wonderful uh, artists. I love their singers. They're so talented, and and their music is not something that you hear all the time. And it, it blew me away. I'm not necessarily a Baroque person, but the way it was presented and the way it was performed was uh, definitely had a modern twist to it, and I loved it. Oh, what were some of the composers uh, that? For the pieces that they did, was it? Uh, I should have the program in front of me right now. You should, because I'm not well versed in Baroque music, and I couldn't um, name those composers right away. So, but I mean, you, Handel was there somewhere. Right, and like, you know like Vivaldi or something, or, or uh, probably. Right. <laughs> but so, but if you wanted to find them and to find out more information about it, you would be able to find it at the American Baroque Company, and that's been available on Facebook. 
Facebook, and also they have a website. Uh, yeah. And they have some great events coming up. Uh, like I said, big, you know, high-profile stuff in Wentworth, the Wentworth Opera House. And here's what also what's great is I want to employ everybody, of course, to go to trickykid.com. That's tricky-kid.com. Because not only will you be able to stream this episode, obviously you want to go to iTunes and subscribe because the show will show up for free every single week in your iTunes. But if you also go to trickykid.com, you also can stream it there. But you'll see more pictures because, like you said, it was like a masquerade. It was called uh, it was called opera cabaret or so or masquerade. Or was it um, cabaret masquerade? Yeah, we didn't win. Right. There was like some people won, and I don't know how because we were we ruled. And <laughs> and and all of you can say the same thing when you see these pictures. So that's what I'm getting at. Is if you go to the website, you will see Jocelyn and I in our amazing, awesome period piece mask. They totally like ruled and rocked the block, uh, and 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 uh, we had scorched earth for miles as we walked in that place. Um, <laughs> and but you know, but like you said, it was it was so fun. I mean, it was, and this is so exciting for me because again, music has been my main passion my entire life, and I've never been able to get that classical music. It's always been something that felt like it was kind of like out of my league or, or above my pay grade or something that kind of requires. You Education and I come from you know hip hop and pop rock and, and all that kind of stuff and so to finally be able to, to do that and experience that and get that education and also be able to share it with you has been so amazing and so rewarding and then just you know like fun things like that like that like being able to get all dressed up and put on masks and go and see <laughs> these amazing performers and work their ass off yeah putting on these incredible things and. Golly, those singers. I wish I could name them by name, but if you look up the American Baroque Company uh, on Facebook and just Google it, it'll come up. Go to their events. It was so cool. I loved it. Uh, who, who else is in the trip that you've you been working with? Well, of course, I know the instrumentalists. I have a few uh, violin friends, viola friends that, that play Baroque music and are very good at it. Um, and of course, they're on period instruments. But you guys gotta go. Let's yes. see. There's a um, counter tenor. He's amazing, and that's really rare. Of course, that's a a, a tenor. Traditionally, men who can sing up in the almost the soprano range. Oh, I know. He had that red. He had that red jacket too. Yeah, and of course, you know, check out the fashion. Of course. <laughs> yeah. No, I was of course leading with the music, but dude, he he sold it. Real, real, real well. I thought it was so cool. It was good. And you also, you know, something else I thought was kind of cool. You know, a lot of people think about, you know, like open mic night as just being a bunch of kind of like, you know, the singers, you know, the singer songwriter, the person with an acoustic guitar because it's minimalist and it has to have quick switchover. But what's so neat is that there's this thing that you and your friends do uh, that is classical open mic night. And I love the tagline. It's like playing your favorite from the the 60s, 70s, and 80s, but it's like the, the 1760s or something like that, right? Yeah. You know? So where do you guys do that? That's at Fred, excuse me, Buzz Bruce on Lemon Avenue in Dallas. In Dallas, okay. And how often does that happen? Every single Tuesday. Every single Tuesday. And you went last night, didn't you? 8 to 11. Uh, yeah. Did you perform last night? No, I did not perform last night because I was on my way to come. You. Okay, that's right, that's right. <laughs> I just stopped by to say hello to everyone because I love those guys. They're, there's a lot of wonderful people that show up. I 
Well, I was whenever I was there, I found it to be incredibly welcoming, and, and you know, and it was you know, sometimes those things can be somewhat competitive, but this was very, uh, very supportive and and, and, yeah. and like very family vibe where everybody was supporting each other. Right. Because often you'll think of classical music as this elitist type of thing. For sure. And you know, the, but people love classical music. You know, and you don't have to be, you know, super educated in practiced four hours a day for the last 12 years of your life, you know, to get it. Right, right, for sure. People enjoy it, so we all come together and just enjoy the music, enjoy each other. It's a good time. It is. I really enjoyed it. And like you said, you know, you can find elitism in anything. You could find it in, in even in, of course, in punk rock, of course, but you could find it in anything. And so, and, and I may have at one point had that kind of uh, pre-conceived you know, notion that classical music is and so it was so great that being, even though I didn't perform, and, and you did that night that I went, uh, that everybody was, it was not this kind of uppity, up your ass type kind of thing, you know, which kind of also maybe keeps people from also learning about yeah. classical music. There's just, yeah, it's you know, a shame. Well, well I, I think because they, just kind of have it. well, I think because, they, you think it's because they equate classical music with the imagery, and the imagery is how people were in the 1700s. So for some reason, they can't seem to separate that you guys aren't wearing like, you know, like rough, you know, puffy ruffled shirts and, and, uh, <laughs> and have some sort of wigs and you're not, you know, you know, it, it's, it's, is that fair to say? Is it it's kind of, you know, did you, yeah. I mean, I don't think people are expecting, are surprised that you're not doing that. But what I mean is that when they think of classical music, they think of museums and quiet and, and restrained Sure, restrained is definitely not part of it. I mean, it's a necessity in order to play something that's so complicated, but the goal is to become unrestrained and, and fancy at the same time. <laughs> well, for sure, and, and that's what I love about it, too, because, you know, instead of, like I said, you know, nothing I enjoy going to rock shows and going to do Bellum, and, you know, and when we just saw, like I said, you know, Chick, 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 we got Nick Offer coming up, and we had such a great time. And all that sort of stuff, um, but it was so great for me to, to for that night to be in a suit and be in, in a really nice place. And, yeah, and, and especially because you look really good in the suit. Oh yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you and, and don't just take her word for it, go to trickykid.com. You guys can see me in this. <laughs> you can, and uh, but <laughs> but you wait till you see my girl here in her mask. Uh, it is. Uh, got this, this, this cat mask that's very, uh, very cat-like, <laughs> and of course gorgeous. Uh, so thank you for that, sweetie. Um, uh, you know, but it, it, it was just, you know, I'm saying it was just so great to be, to be, to be a part of that, and, but don't even think, I'm saying, I don't think people are, are, you know, I think they just kind of, I can't, they, they don't know anything at all about classical music, and you think what keeps them from diving Yeah, it, it, it's different from any other type of music out there. Um, it's something that you have to acclimate to. And I've tried to acclimate to metal. I think it's just something that, you know, if you want to 
if you want to see that side of life, and there's a lot of people out there that really have dedicated their lives to classical music. So, such as, such as you, yeah. So it's, there's definitely something there, you know. For, for sure. Check it out. <laughs> but think about this. Did you ever think, okay, uh, and talk about acclimating, like, did you ever, like, next thing you know, I had me playing, like, German metal on violin live on the show. Did you yeah. ever think that was going to happen? No. <laughs> That's but, hard. <laughs> but you killed it. Playing fifths on the violin consecutively was hard. Yeah. But it was what was required. <laughs> right. But, I mean, but, but, but so talk about that. So in the same way that I've enjoyed exploring your world of classical music, I've taken you to a few rock shows that were something that would have not been <laughs> anything that you would have, have done before. Talk like, about it. like Faster Pussycat? That's right, that's right. Yes. Yes, I know all you're going to go, wait, you took her yeah. to, you took her to, fa- yes, I took her to Faster Pussycat in truth, and it was awesome. And, classy lyrics. Oh, yeah. They were it was fun. so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, see? I had a blast, of course. You're the best, and thank you for having such a great attitude about it. Here's the thing, and, I, and uh, you can go to trippykid.com and see that I actually talked and wrote about this, but who knew that the most fun, non-classical show of the year that we saw was? Foreigner. Was freaking <laughs> Foreigner. Okay, like who would have, yeah, like again, nothing against Foreigner, but who knew that was going to be the greatest Thing ever because that was so that was that was my favorite show not only this summer but maybe my favorite show of the year and one of my favorite shows ever. Yeah, I was impressed. It was at least forty minutes or more. I don't remember how long it was. Time flies when you're having fun. That's true. Every single song I could sing along to. I know. And it surprised me each time because I didn't know that Foreigner produced that song. Some of the songs I didn't I didn't know either. A lot of fun. Maybe the 40 you got was because they were celebrating their 40th anniversary. And, uh, but, and, but there was, you know, we originally were there for Cheap Trick. And again, very cynically, I was the one because you didn't know anything about that, or you know, you knew from listening to the radio, like you're saying, but, uh, we were there for Cheap Trick. And basically, we were there because it was Saturday night during the summertime, and we wanted to do something fun, you know? So, remember, we went to Cheap Trick, and I remember thinking, I said, okay, look, we'll stick around for a couple of songs of porn. And could, I couldn't believe it. Every song was a hit. We every <laughs> word of every song. I think it was the most fun because we were both surprised. Like, oh, they sing that song too. Yeah. And that one. <laughs> but we loved those songs, whether we knew it or not. You know what I mean? That's what was the great thing about it, because it was summertime, it was packed, and it wasn't about anything other than fun. You know, it, it, had, it was no pretension, it was no BS. And, and I was like, wait, I know that song, and I love that song. And I know all the words. And like, think about all the shows that we've been to. Other than maybe uh, our first show together, which was, of course, with Parliament Funkadelic. Very proud of that fact, by the way. Um, <laughs> is there any other thing that we've seen where we knew every lyric to everything? I can't think of one. Well, you know, that, that doesn't matter. Really, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but, uh, you know, in terms of like the actual band, <laughs> you know, there isn't, there isn't, I don't think that there's anything else, is there? You know, 
Um, so one thing you guys should also should be on the look on the look, uh, lookout for is that Yossi and I did the uh, the Sammy Yang uh, ramen noodle nuclear hot is crap <laughs> challenge, and that's all I'm going to say about it for now. I mean, Yossi, you wanted to add a little something because I wasn't going to see the video about the the, the ramen, Sammy Yang the ramen challenge. Yeah, what did you do? I won. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Oh, I, I I don't I don't know if it was a clear winner. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Are you gonna dispute this fact? No, no, no. It, 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 it was a competition. You definitely won, but I'm just saying that we, we both took it. We we <laughs> both we both are shamed because of it. Uh, we we both uh, uh, you know have scars on our tongue uh, from it. Stomach lining scars. because that way it'll show up for free each and every single week, just like this, uh, every Thursday. Also, don't forget about Crippy Kid TV. It's kind of still up in, you know, it's in its early phases, but it's there and a lot more coming. So if you go onto YouTube, just try get, type in Crippy Kid TV and it'll come up. And again, you can click subscribe for free as well. Uh, you also want to go to TrickyKid.com. You go to TrickyKid.com, not only while you're there, uh, you will see a link to officefurniture2go.com. Uh, you click on it and you buy something. They'll throw a few bucks back our way to kind of keep the show rolling and, and rocking and, and bringing you shows just like this each and every single week. Uh, but while you're there, check out all the great news features and all the great coverage of all the, the, the goings-ons in the music world, uh, the, the literature world, fashion, everything. We, we like to have a lot of fun and, and cover a very, very wide base here. Um, while you're at Tricky Kid Radio, there's all the pictures of what we've been talking about. You know, you heard Joss and I talking about the American Baroque Company, about going to that masquerade party. You can see us in full mask. Uh, all types of different things that kind of give you a visual while you're listening as well. Um, I wanted to also mention about a great appearance coming up is, as you know, my alter ego. Um, I do a lot of many different things, obviously, with DJ Tricky Kid. And a bunch of different things. Uh, I'm going to be at Fan Days, uh, which is a great uh, comic book convention uh, in Dallas. And that is coming up. Let me bring the dates to you here. Uh, Fan Days is coming up, I believe. Uh, yeah, that's right. It's October uh, 20th through the 22nd. That's going to be at the Urban Convention Center uh, right outside of Dallas. It's going to have a great lineup of talent. Uh, I'll be there doing interviews and talking with, with, with some of the uh, celebrity guests and, and the, obviously, of course, always the fans. 
uh, lots of great cosplay. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, then November 5th, this is the big event that's coming up, is that you also know that I'm involved with IHWE Wrestling. Our biggest event of the year is called Old School Hustle, and this year we're going to bring it to you from the, the majesty of the Ridgely Theater, which is this great theater right there uh, in Fort Worth. If you guys remember, if you were in town for WrestleMania when it was in town uh, two years ago, we did a major event there called Parade of Champions and had a lot of great talent. Uh, and this year uh, is going to be uh, literally no different. Lots of great, great, great lineup. The amount, the ma uh, excuse me, the matches that have been announced so far. Michael Elgin is going to go against Shane Taylor, and that's going to be a super heavyweight clash. Trust me on that one. Uh, Dominique Garini is going to go against uh, Terrell Tempo. Uh, lots and lots of, of, of other great appearances. They're going to be on, on the card. Um, uh, Ivory Reed, who uh, has been training underneath Booker T down there uh, in Houston. Also, Angelus Lane, uh, Jet Maxwell. It's going to be a great, 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 great show. Uh, tickets are available. Uh, go to squareup.com and click on, on the HWE store there. You can go ahead and get your, your tickets now. Uh, hopefully, there will be tickets available still at the door, but I wouldn't wait. And uh, go ahead and, uh, and get your tickets and check us out for HWE's Old School wrestling uh old school hustle thank you uh which is our biggest event of the year and now i wanted to talk um uh, about charles bradley uh charles bradley is was a great great soul singer he was somebody that didn't get any real acclaim and even really have like an actual professional singing career until much much later in his life uh actually until like his late 50s and uh, I wanted to talk about a personal thing just for a second because, unfortunately, we lost Charles uh, over this past weekend. And he was only 68 years old, uh, also died of cancer. If you guys know who Charles is, has been following him. He had to cancel some, some tour dates recently. And he had, he had beat the cancer, and it seemed to have come back. And he canceled some dates, and it seemed like everything was going to be fine. And so it's very, very sudden, very, very shocking, uh, and obviously very, very sad. It also mirrors something else with another great soul singer we lost, we lost last year, which is Sharon Jones. I wanted to take a second uh, to, uh, to play one of Charles' songs to tell you a brief little story about my history with Charles uh, and his importance, not only in my life, but, uh, you know, just what, what, what an important figure he was. Uh, <clears throat> three years ago in 2014, around Christmas time, uh, I had lived in New York for about seven years, but somehow I managed to never make it to the Apollo Theater, which to me would be, I mean, I rode by it almost every single day on the, uh, on the M60 uh, bus, but I, uh, never actually got to go inside. Well, now this was going to be my moment. Uh... It was around Christmas time, but the city was in total chaos. Uh, if you follow the news, Eric Garner verdict had been read. And if you know who Eric Garner is, definitely look up that case and do, some, do your best to resist that kind of nonsense in this world. Eric Garner was, was somebody that was <clears throat> all but innocent and certainly didn't deserve what happened to him. Um, where he basically was choked to death by, and he was unarmed, uh, by a police officer. So when you hear these things, when people hear, hear, hear 
Cortez are saying, I can't breathe, they're referring to Eric Garner's last words, unfortunately. Well, the city had had enough of this, and they were exploding. We've also lost the night of the Rockefeller tree lighting that I was actually in attendance for. And when I left there, the place was surrounded with protesters, uh, and the city was just on fire. It was in chaos. It was raining that night. And so we were in need of some much-needed solace and comfort. And thankfully, what had happened was, was at the Apollo Theater that night, uh, the Dap Tones record uh, company that was putting out records by Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings and Charles Bradley were having their uh, soul review. And as somebody that grew up on James Brown records and all those great posters, you know, I have very thankful I have my mom that, that reared me on some uh, some great music growing up, and I would see these great soul review posters. And, and we grew up on the Tammy show and things like that. I'd always wanted to go to something like this, and here it was. You know, you think that that only happened back then, that it's not an option any longer. <clears throat> and for the most part, in this in this capacity, it isn't. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so to get to go to the Apollo Theater to see something like this, especially on a night like this, was so crucial. So uh, I get there. Tickets are sold out. There was a guy outside that took mercy on me. And I made my way in, and it was one of the greatest nights of my entire life, musically, emotionally, spiritually. It, it was it was all there. Um, Charles Bradley uh, and Sharon Jones were the the there were a lot a lot of acts there that that night, but those were the only two I'm going to talk about here, given the significance of what's happened. <clears throat> uh, they were even were recording a a, a live album for it. And a memorable thing happened was that it kind of a, of a, a common thing that happens <clears throat> at Charles Bradley's concerts uh, where he comes out to the audience. And I was on the island. For whatever reason, Charles came right up to me and he put his arms around me and gave me this big hug. And what does that happen? You know, uh, and I just leaned into his ear and I said, I said, Charles, I said, we need you, you know, more than ever now after what's happened with Eric and, and Eric Garner and all the other stuff that's, that's been going on. And this is before all the Trump nonsense. Um, and he looked at me, because I think that maybe normally when he does this, like people kind of just got to go, yeah, man, or high-fiving. But the fact that I actually had something to say uh, perplexed him and intrigued him. And he whispered in my ear, he said, find me after the show. And... The guy that gave me the ticket actually took a picture of this exchange, which you can see on TrippyKid.com, of, of me talking to Charles Bradley and, and him hugging me, and just what a great night this was. Sharon Jones had just beat cancer and was back on stage, totally on fire. Uh, and I, I, I do not exaggerate when I tell you that this is one of the greatest nights of my entire life. Uh, so then I leave, or I, the show ends, and I go back, and I find Charles. And he tells me this great story because I told him how I'd always had, I grew up listening to, of course, the great Live at the Apollo from James Brown from, from, you know, from 62 to 64 and how it changed my life. And here I'm talking to somebody without even realizing that was actually there at that concert. Uh, he is somebody, he said, he goes, you think that record changed your life? I was here for it. And it did change his life. He ended up becoming like a James Brown impersonator and was just kind of, you know, kicking around and skipping around for 
most of his adult life. It wasn't until he moved to Brooklyn to take care of his mom that he got to uh, he got hooked up with Daptone and started putting out they started putting out records from him, and he got finally got some recognition. So, so I want to say much love and respect to the late great Charles Bradley. Uh, it was my pleasure to know you. Um, after that show, every time we were in the same city, uh, Charles always made time for me, and we always talked, and we always laughed, and we always had a great time. And he was devastatingly just impressive and awesome every single time. Uh, Charles, you're a diamond, my friend, uh, and I'm going to miss you. So um, given the parlance of what's happened, what also that's going on uh, right now uh, in the world, I thought it would be appropriate that we um, play Charles Bradley's The World is Going Up in Flames. Rest in peace, Charles.
Okay, so, all right, whenever you're ready. Okay, well, this is Sam Jones slash Gordon. I'm with Roy Turner at Tricky Kid Radio, and you better be tuning in, or I will find you. Yes, I will. Yes. <laughs> and now a special edition, uh, special live edition of Tricky Kid Radio, uh, live from Deep Elm, uh, down at the Three Links, uh, right across from Trees there. It's a great, 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 great venue. Uh, and now I'll bring you uh, Nick Offer from uh, from Chick Chick Chick. Who is this? Uh, I mean, we've kind of been going off and on all year, but this particular tour have been out about ten days or so. Right, okay, good deal. And and you guys were out with was it is it Algiers and uh, is it the only other master bedroom is on this leg of the tour? Gotcha. Okay, cool. So you guys have have a new record uh, called Shake the Shutter. Came out back in May. Is that right? Yeah. And that's your first record in how in how long? A year and a half, maybe two. Right. Like that. I lose track, honestly. <laughs> well, before we, now the last couple of times that I saw you guys, because I remember like like back in the day, uh, you guys had Shannon in the band, and then you guys didn't have uh, a female singer for a while. But but tonight and on this tour and also on the record as well, yeah, uh, and that is. Uh, well, we we have a couple of different singers, but in the U.S. we uh, work with Mia Pace. Gotcha. Okay. And then uh, in the U.K. and Europe we work with a singer named Lily, and they're both on the record. So you know, we kind of just started around the time of Thriller. I guess Shannon was the first other singer that we started working with, and then uh, we just started working with all kinds of different singers on Thriller a lot. And, right. Uh, right. And then uh, just they just kind of started joining the band, and so it's it's become like more a part of the sound. Right. Right. And what was your motivation behind that? Just to have to diversify, to have more people to work with? Um, it was just kind of like, I, you know, I call it my my Michael Stipe Bono, Bono theory. And just in that, you know, it's like, it's impossible to listen to like an R.E.M. song or a YouTube song without thinking, I'm listening to Bono. I'm listening to Michael Stipe. Like, you can't hear the song, you know? And it's like, I think that it's just an easy way to kind of like switch it up and and, and, and make it not so tired, you know? Right, like, for sure, so just, for sure. I think if it's always me, it just always it just tends to make it sound the same, you know. And guitarists use different effects for their right. guitars. It, right. it was kind of just like that. You know? Maybe it makes so, sense, right? Yeah. So I mean, but but how, how is it like? How's it broadened? Like in terms of, of like the songwriting? Like, I mean, are you finding that you're writing songs differently because of it? Yeah. Well, I've kind of found like especially when it was the first song we worked with Shannon. It's like. I started singing in just kind of a different voice for myself. Like, so I would find myself kind of going into different characters and stuff, and stuff like that. Right. So, so it just kind of, that just kind of opened up, well, let's bring in these other characters. And it also opened up my own vocals and allowed me to do more things once I kind of got away from like, well, I don't have to just always sing just like my talking voice. Right, you know? right. So it just, it just kind of opened up things in that way. And so now when it challenges you to also kind of raise your game a little bit, then. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. no, it definitely does. I mean, it's, and it's great to have someone on stage to play off of. And, you know, it's it's great. I mean, I, I would advise all other bands to do it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they have the means, you know. Yeah. I remember, um, I'm a big fan of Massive Attack, and, and now they took it to a place where it almost made it impossible for them to tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they would have come out with a record with like 10 different singers yeah, yeah, yeah. every like seven years. Yeah, so it was yeah. just kind of like, by the time the record came out, the singer may not even been alive anymore. Right, right. <laughs> right yeah. Well, uh, I just heard you guys sound check. It sounds fantastic. I'm very excited about, about, the, about the show tonight. Uh, I was going to play the very, very first single uh, um, off the record, and it's got such a great title called Dancing is the Best Revenge. Mm. Talk a little bit about, about this. Uh, yeah, you know, it was kind of like a, actually just, uh, 
had the title, I saw the book in a backseat of a friend's car, you know, uh, Living Well's Best Revenge, and I just thought of it then and had the title kicking around in my notebook for, for years. And, and when that when that groove came up, when we were working on that song, it just kind of, it really just felt like, the song felt like a strut or a walk, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and, uh, and so, and we'd been listening to a lot of, like, the Vogue ballroom stuff, and so we kind of just pictured an anthem like that, you know, like yeah. something for people to walk to or strut to. <laughs> and uh, it kind of just went with that, you know. Well, you know, it's funny because I mean, you and I both come from like like mixtape culture, mm-hmm, sure. and I was thinking about that in terms of title. Like, imagine back when because this was important. Whenever you'd make a mixtape, it was yeah, it yeah. was your expression of how you felt about that person, right? And I would love to see like dancing is the best revenge, like like on like on a mixtape, like on a Memorex type kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And but but also then discovering it, like like hey, what was I into? Yeah, and, yeah. And you know, kind of go, man. I, this was yeah. <laughs> I was doing the right thing with this, yeah, just yeah. based upon the title, you know. Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, uh, "Dancing Is the Best Revenge" uh, from the new album from Chick Chick Chick, which is called "Shake the Shutters." We're currently out on tour right now uh, with Algiers and Master Bedroom, and we'll be right back.
I know the track well, so I can I can I can talk about it. So okay. Uh, all right. Now, now that's that's again that's a fun track, man. Again, like I said, you can get behind something called dancing is the best revenge. Yeah. You mentioned about you had a you you saw a book, and we talked about this a little bit before we came on the air. Was that again? You and I had a had a great night years ago. Yeah. Uh, we were trying to figure out where it was. I think we discovered it was in Austin, Texas, yeah, yeah. right? I think ACL. And we were kind of musing about John Phillips and right, John yeah. Phillips's, uh, of course, like insane uh, scope and perspective that right. he was forever memorialized in his autobiography. Have you read anything since that? That's is there any good autobiographies that's just bananas like that that you've read? Uh, well, you know, I did go through. I would assume that around that time we maybe also discussed. The, the Rick James out of We did, we did, we did, yeah. Yeah, that was definitely, that's the other big crazy one. And then I, you know, I honestly tried to lay off of them um, and not read them <laughs> as addictive. much, but they, they, they are addictive yeah. and I, I will just go through them. I'm trying to think of what was a really good one, though, that I just, you know, uh, you know, I thought the, re- the replacements one was an excellent one. That was just like a good book. Yeah, for sure, know? for sure. Um, it's and, not like, uh, like like littered with uh, you know all the salacious things that are addictive, yeah, but, but yeah. it was good. I like that yeah, one yeah. too. Yeah. And uh, but right now that I'm now that I'm actually on tour, and you know you kind of need something a little lighter when you're uh, when you're just at soundcheck or whatever, right. and maybe you don't want to fall into the Twitter vortex or whatever. Uh, but so I'm kind of been reading uh, Van Halen Rising, uh, which okay. is just about the early days, and I just got this week uh, and. Uh, the, the autobiography of Gucci Mane. Oh, nice. I haven't read, read that one yet. Yeah. It's it's pretty fantastic. I think it's, you know, I mean, 
I think it could be a lot uh, trashier, but he's. I feel like he's being a pretty. He, it's a lot of areas where he could really self mythologize himself, and I and I feel like he's actually been pretty fair. You know, I mean, every autobiography self mythologizes. Well, for sure, mine, for sure, mine certainly will. <laughs> yeah, that but was... you know, I think he's. There's a lot of points where he knows that it's like uh, he's kind of sick of talking about certain things about, sure. about himself, and he kind of. Back. I think it's a good book. I, I like that one a lot. And then I'm also yeah. actually reading a Beethoven. So I'm going back between those three. That one is, to be fair, a little drier. Yeah. And that's maybe <laughs> more for when I'm back at the hotel, hotel room and it's quiet. We're going to have to worry about revisionists. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no reshaping. It's, it's, yeah. it's pretty much, you know, uncovered there. That, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's so funny that you said that because I asked me that I was going to recommend one and my god you set me up because okay first of all yeah. uh, Greg Renoff who wrote Van Halen Rising is a yeah. great friend of mine oh, wow. and we had him on the show of course right when the book came out Wow. Okay. Uh, he's from Tulsa and uh-huh. we did it where there's a a, uh, a Woody Guthrie museum it's the only Woody Guthrie museum uh-huh. in the world where his archives are and we did it and he uh, had a big release party out in Pasadena where Van Halen is from sure wow and uh, it had the world's best Van Halen cover band, which is another group we've had on called Van Halen. Uh, fantastic. So the reason why I mention it, hang on, we're, we are in development, experiencing a, uh, a motorcycle apocalypse here. Um, hey, we were born to be wild, right? Um, so, and here's my recommendation was, okay, so we had Noel Monk, who was Van Halen's manager from 78 okay. to 85 right, right. Yeah, yeah. for the entire original David Lee Roth. It's a two-part special. So for I'm going to plug it for a second. For all of our listeners out there that are listening, yeah. I implore you not only to listen to the episode, but to read that book. I got that because that's another one, right? What's that yeah. one called? It's called Running with the Devil. I got that one also. Yeah. Because, <laughs> but then I, and I got, cause, you know, you can just get these on your Kindle and you have it. For sure, for like sure. Two, yeah. Two minutes later. Um, and I got that one, and I was like, oh, I think I want, I want to read the Van Halen Rising one. So then I, I got that one, too. But then I had already started reading the, 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 the Noel one. Yeah, I yeah. started reading that one, and it seemed great. So I'm like, am I going to have to read two Van Halen books? I might you have are. to. Okay. Well, they're polar opposites, because, because Greg's book, Van Halen Rising, uh, you also should really check that one out, is very academic. Yeah, it's yeah. written from him. Mean, he is like a college professor. Yeah, and, yeah. and what it does is, it's called Van Halen Rising, as you know, because... It's everything up until the first album. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. So, so it stops there. It stops uh, there. It's about the formation, the yeah, backyard yeah. party stuff, but written from a very, uh, a very academic, uh, yeah, yeah. very, a very, very intelligent. Yeah, like, it's not very trashy. It's not dry. There's it's, no. It's not as dry as the Beethoven one. Right? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah but but, there, but there's not a lot. I mean, it might be kind of like how if NPR were to describe a David Lee Roth right, hotel right. trashing. Uh, it's, okay, okay, yeah. Uh, you still get the news, but you may not get the. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, know. that's that works out great then. Then I, I, I since I do have both of them on my phone, we have another month of touring. I can. I, I, can, I don't have to be reading one piece of the book. I can. I can. I can. I can, I can yeah, save the whole story for the uh, right for home. Um, but it almost could work like a sequel. Because think about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, because... so I'll just finish the Van Halen Rising and then move on to the Run with the Devil. Because David Lee Roth. Right. Them. But I don't think anyone would r- rather wants to hang, hang out. out. <laughs> it's like, he's kind of a bit. Right. With the beating. Right. <laughs> and Sammy's yeah, got that show on Access TV. I'm thinking, golly. So I know I would be like, if I were to meet Sammy Hagar, I would do that thing. Remember, like when like. When like you're fighting with your childhood friend and your parent concert, it really like the reason why I wasn't into this 
Yeah. I just wasn't exposed to it. Yeah, yeah. Talk a little bit about some of your memories from that 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 period of 2006 and me. There seemed to be something in New York as well that you guys were a part of. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, it it, it definitely was an exciting time. It was, I mean, you know, to to us, it, probably the most exciting time was you know 2001 when we moved there, and that was like, you know, when we were first going to disco clubs and right, stuff. Right, you right, know, it's right. like, you know, back in Sacramento, we we really only knew about like the popular disco and you know Chic and Bohannon <laughs> and stuff, and like you know to. And, and we kind of thought, like, there must be more good records than, yeah. than just these. And, and kind of moving to New York was just like, oh, this is bottomless. There's a huge wealth of that, you know. So, and it was, so it's all that time, those first seven, eight years, it, it were kind of a blur. I mean, you know, truthfully, by the time we got to that moment of, like, 2007, 6, 7, it was, like, pretty tumultuous for the band it was definitely like the most successful point but it was also like kind of like the darkest period you know it was kind of it was just that classic rock and roll thing it was for like, sure for sure. sure we were on top of the world but it was wasn't that fun necessarily backstage it kind of you know it was more fun before that and it got fun again after that kind right of, you right, know? right so um but you know definitely it's for for going out in new york and for, for music i mean that, that you know i think we're already at that point where we're like missing that moment of blog spots and finding out about music from that. And that's definitely, I always think of that. It came out on one of Warp Records back, yeah. in, back in May. Uh, fabulous. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's, still, it's still got the, the, that same, but it's, but like you said, it's grown a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. Talk a little bit about what motivates you now um, that the kind of, the memories that you're creating now for the trajectory of your career as compared to that time. I think, uh, you know, I mean, now it's like, it, we kind of just feel this, like, kind of, like, a promise to the legacy of, like, you know, not getting to that point of, of, of just turning, turning out some bullshit, right, you know, yeah. and, and now it's like, and, and, and it's like, it, we've kind of made it, like, this is our craft, and this is what we've become good at, and how can we do this even better, you know, it's yeah. like, each record that you make, you learn so much about making a record. And I think once we started realizing that, then we thought, well, how can we build upon what we've learned and how can we learn even more? Sure. You know? So so there's like this kind of like fascination with the getting it right and getting it better and pushing it to, to somewhere that it isn't ha or hasn't been before, you know? And, 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 you know, really with the music that excited us when we first started was, you know, we felt like, you know, we were excited by, you know, funk and disco and, and, things that were like psychedelic and things that kind of like were experimental and pushed pushed things you know i really felt like the idea of post-punk was kind of like to get to another place to, right you know it was kind of like rock and roll is dead we're making something better than yeah. that you know and so the, the, there's still that kind of promise of like how can we make something better than that you know i think we've kind of realized that we are a rock group but how can we be one of the good ones right, right, how, right. how can we push it and make it so it's not just like you know, tired or whatever, right, sure. so, so, so that it's something fresh, you know. Don't you think that though, once you're actually in it, that's when those things become illuminated. Tell me about something recently that, that in your mind that you couldn't have planned on that was just kind of, it was illuminated just by, by the process. Um, you know, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's like people will have asked us like, well, did you have a plan for this record? Or what were you trying to do? There really isn't a plan. You don't, when you make a record, it's like, you're standing at the bottom of a mountain and 
the mountain is in the clouds. You don't know what you're going to find along right. the way. You don't know what it looks like on that. And, you know, so, you know, you can, you can really take any any of the songs and they, they, you know, they all started as like, well, what if we did something like this? And then that, generally I'll sit down and try to do something with the beat and that won't work out. But as I do it, I'll find some way that the hi-hats clash against each other and that makes something interesting and then I go from there. So right. that's pretty much any song on the record, you know, I, you know, I, I think... You know, certainly, like, with the first song on the record, with the one-two, you know, it was, like, our attempt to do something kind of like a, a jungle or a two-step sure. kind of song. And it was, and, and but it was also mixed with, like, an idea of, like, doing a chorus, like a Drake song, with everything dropping out and right. just having to be, like, you know, one voice and, and a synth, you know. Um, so, and, and, the, and those things, like, as you learn them and are, are able to implement them, they become just basic cards that you can play, you know, like. And, and, you know, it's when you first use those tricks, like, the whole song exists solely to pull off that trick. And then that trick just becomes a basic thing that you can do. Right. You know? Yeah, right. It becomes part of the arsenal, right? Yeah, it becomes part of the arsenal. So. Well, so we're going to play one more song for the record. I'm going to let you pick. So so what, what song? I'm sure you love them all. We've already, of course, played Dancing is the Best Revenge. Uh, uh, let's see... Uh, I'm going to choose, you know, one of my favorites on the record is uh, What Are You Up Today? Okay. Um, and that's like, that's like, you know, we've kind of developed this style of kind of like writing songs that are, you know, we, we kind of started with the, on Thriller with the song like Slide where it was like, it isn't necessarily a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus song. It's kind of like more just supposed to follow your interests, yeah. you know, and it's like dance songs are very much like kind of just follow one trajectory and then that's the whole thing. But the, the with the way we try to do, we try to have different parts kind of, we, we based it on pump up the volume, like bars, yeah. you know, and we kind of wanted to just like have it be tons of different samples, but it's actually just from us mostly, you know? Right. Well, it's and very so, ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it, and it's kind of fun and it's, it's something that's, that's easier to pull off when you have a lot of different people's ideas in the band, you know, instead of it just being one guy. But this song is interesting to me, especially because it was a track that Raphael was working on and his, uh, at the time, four year old daughter walked in and said, um, can you put me in the music? And she had this idea for these hooks that she would sing, and so we built the song around her hooks. So I think it's an especially interesting song because yeah. four year old wrote it. You know? Well, yeah, well, yeah, and, and also thinking about about where that fits within the history of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, we can kind of point to that. You know? Okay, so again, so we're gonna we're gonna play that track real fast, and we'll be right back with Nick Offen from Chick Chick Chick.
awesome track. Again, we're talking with Nick Offman from Chick 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 here. They have a new album called Shake the Shutter that came out on Warp back in May. Uh, you know, even kind of shy around other bands that, that he liked and stuff. You know, and, and and I think it's like, you know, you start as if you become a musician because you are a fan. And and I and I, and my friends who kind of lose that aspect of being a fan, I I, I think they kind of lose something in their music too. And I, I mean, I've absolutely stayed a fan. I'm, I, I'm, I'm now a fan of people who are younger than me. You know, and and I think that I think that's the hard part for a lot of people. But you know, it's like, look, I mean, the Beatles made incredible records when they were babies so you look up to them so it's okay to look up that's to a 20 year old kid now you know it's point. okay it's like you know it's it's someone who's able to to make that music happen you know so um so no i mean i, I there's I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan hopefully till i die but you know of of I, I always draw inspiration. Thanks so much for joining us this week, man. This is great. Really looking forward to the show tonight. Come on down to your new record, Shake the Shutter, out of Warp Records. You actually can go get it now. Again, Nick, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, man. That was a great interview. He's a really interesting person. Nick's a great guy, right? You know what I mean? Because, you know, we talked to him after the show, you know, as well. And after, you know, yeah. Uh, and he's such, such a, just a great guy. He's so funny and, and welcoming. And sort of, what, what, what did you think of the show? Um, well, I remember meeting him right before the show, and I guess he was in the zone, because he was a lot more focused, right. and when he got up on stage, it's <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had a great time. I'm so glad that we went. Thank you for taking me. Of course. <laughs> and you were electric shoes that night. Yes. And, and you can see these electric shoes on your Instagram account, is that right? Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Was so funny is I even kind of prepared you a little bit because you remember, you know, because um, I'd already had did the show with Nick, and then we met in Utah, and then we went to um, your friends, uh, two from Buzz Brews, your classical open mic night birthday, and we went to the show, and we went and we talked to Nick for a little bit, and he obviously was very kind and very nice, but like you said, much more focusing and getting ready, and I said, wait till you see what happened. Talk about the transformation. Um, well, I... must be crazy living. Really? Yeah. Oh. Where, okay, so that's where the name comes from. So if you've ever seen your dad's must be crazy, where they clink the Coca-Cola bottles and tell you where the spirit commercials like to come up, oh. that's the name of the band. So how do you pronounce that? Like, so what they came up with was, of course, you know... I'm, you know, kind of a introvert. <laughs> um... So I, I really did appreciate that more intimate setting. I, and it, I was like 12 feet from the band, yeah. like peering over, checking out the, the synthesizers um, <laughs> yeah. and and standing up on chairs to check out what the drummer was doing. Because the drummer is amazing, yes. of course. And every single person in that band was, was great. Solid and spot on. And just, it's just so fun. I mean, we, I can talk all day long about how proficient they are and what a nice guy Nick was, but it's like when when it all comes together, it's just such a ride, isn't it? That's the experience. Yeah. You're good with words. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm thinking. It's just that, that that's it. That's you, you, you know, you, you bought the ticket, you take the ride. Now, you know? <laughs> it's uh, a good ride. <laughs> it was. And so, and for, for 
so well on this show. <laughs> and 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 all you out there listening, tell tell uh, Jossie how much you enjoyed her on this this week's episode of uh, Trippy Kid Radio. And if you haven't heard the Dora Pesh episode where she's rocking it on violin, I implore you. Also check out the appearances you know that are coming up uh, down the road again with uh, in Garland with. Garland Symphony, Last Queen Symphony on the 21st. And then they can find you on Instagram at... J-O-S-P-E-I-6, the number 6. And again, of course, I'm your host, Roy Turner. You can find us on Twitter at Tricky Kid, the number 2. You can find us on Facebook by typing in Tricky Kid Radio Podcast. Uh, also, check out my DJ Tricky Kid page. And then go to, go to YouTube and go check out Tricky Kid, uh, check out Tricky Kid TV. Uh, and also, because again, you can see things like the upcoming San Yang uh, Ramen Noodle Challenge and a bunch of other lots and lots and lots of fun. Uh, and again, uh, I want to thank my, my special guest, Nick Offer from Chick Chick Chick. Check out their new album. It's called Shake the Shutter. It came out on Warped Records back in May. And they're out on tour right now with a great band called Algiers and another band called Master Bedroom. They're going to be out on tour for the next few weeks. So definitely, if you find this in your city, Go check this out because you will not be disappointed. Even the band Algiers was great too. We heard a little bit of yeah, that. Yeah, fantastic. So, um, dance all night. Yes. yes. Check, yes. check, check. Check, check, check. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so again, for my co-host Jocelyn Hun, I'm your host Roy Turner, and uh, we'll see you next week. Good night. Um, bye. <laughs>